Welcome aboard. You've booked passage on the HMS Superstitions, a Spotify original from Parcast. I'm Alastair Murden, here to tell you another delightful tale that digs into beliefs and lore from cultures around the world. Today, we're exploring the maritime superstition of rats abandoning a ship. Yes, rats. I don't blame you if you're suppressing a shiver. Rats are known as carriers of disease, the vermin of death. They burrow into the farthest corners and scurry through the deepest depths. With darkness and decay come rats. But these misunderstood rodents aren't just garbage scavengers. They might be prophets. According to some folklore, rats abandoning a ship means that vessel is doomed. And though the idea started in the 17th century, rats leaving a boat is still considered bad luck today. And there might be a reason for this prophet-like behavior. Some believe rats contain souls of the dead. Like, if anything could predict when death is coming, it'd be the deceased. But others see this warning as confirmation of rats' stereotypical where there's rats, there's rot. Perhaps the most likely reason is that rats, unlike people, live purely by instinct, which means when danger appears, they know precisely when to run. You can find episodes of Superstitions and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify. Coming up. It's all fun and games until someone smells a rat. To the observers at the marina, the Cushing's yacht was large, shiny, and decked to the nines with luxury. Around it, the vast Atlantic Ocean glistened, its skyline peppered with South Carolina's billowing palms. You could almost smell the fresh coconut Mai Tais and feel its cabin's soft linen sheets. But to Mabel Cushing, the yacht didn't look like a vacation. It looked like prison. Mabel trudged up the boat's gangplank right behind her parents. Her dad was in full vacation mode, khaki shorts, a tropical shirt, hand ready for a cocktail. Her mom, on the other hand, was in a crisp pantsuit, all business. But despite her chic appearance, she was frantic, venting about some political fire that needed putting out. Again, ugh, there was always something. But this problem stressed her parents out so much, they'd yanked her from fifth period for a yacht trip to the Bahamas. Family trip, they'd said. R&R, &R, they'd said. Something special. And this time, they'd be unplugging. They forbid the crew from bringing phones and took Mabel's as soon as they got out of the car. Which just sucked. Losing her social lifeline was bad enough, but Mabel had stuff to do, aka the teen climate change summit she'd spent months preparing for. And now, instead of participating in saving the planet, she was boarding an ostentatious gas guzzler. Mabel pleaded, Mom, can we please just stay here? Her mom dismissed this. No, act excited, hun. 
We never get family time. Whose fault was that, Mabel thought. Her parents worked incessantly. Her mom was the campaign manager for Kevin Marks, the South Carolina governor. Her dad was Marks' communications director. They were the parents that finished each other's sentences, but it wasn't romantic. They just both had the polling numbers memorized. Mabel reached the top of the gangway, her eyes on the water below. There was a black cloud of something under its surface, probably oil from the ship's engine. Her stomach clenched. They were killing the ocean for leisure. Getting on this yacht was not only inconvenient, it was wrong. Mabel stared back at the parking lot beyond the dock. The family's black car was still there. She could make a run for it. Mabel, keep up, her dad called to her. Mabel sighed. She'd never been able to ditch her parents, no matter how disgusted she was. She was 15. What choice did she have? Jump in the ocean? Mabel looked down, considering it for just a moment. That's when she noticed a little sea critter. It was swimming away from the boat and towards the dock. No, not a sea critter. A rat. Gross. She stifled a laugh. Even rats didn't want to be on this palatial gilded turd. And if the rat could leave, maybe she could too. Her parents' raised voices pulled her attention. They were arguing with the engineer, a gruff, no-nonsense guy named Howie. He was worried because the yacht's radar wasn't working, which would be a problem with a storm on the horizon. He didn't want to leave until it was fixed. Who needs a communication system? We want to disconnect. Her dad laughed. Her mom wasn't having it. The boat's fine. I did a walkthrough an hour ago with one of your whatever, your crew guys. Everything is good. And I don't mean to be rude, but we're paying a lot for this boat and I want to get far away from this country. Now. Mabel inwardly groaned. She was used to apologizing for her parents, so she mouthed a sorry to Howie. Howie stifled a smile, then relented with a nod. You're the bosses, I guess. We push off in ten. Her parents smirked, righteously placated, then headed towards a staff member waiting with a tray of Mai Tais. Mabel took the opportunity to escape below deck. Mabel stewed on her cabin's bed, staring out the porthole. The ship took off, and the Charleston Harbor got further and further away. Her parents really got under her skin, but they didn't seem to care what she thought. Whenever Mabel told them they were rude to servers or their candidates' policies were hurting the planet, they'd stare at their phones and ignore her. Kids don't have a say. She just had to deal until she was old enough to leave. Suddenly, a scurrying sound startled her, and when she swung her feet over the side of the bed, a rat shot out from under it. Mabel yelped, another rat? Was this boat infested or something? She watched the rodent race to her cabin door, but the gap wasn't big enough for it to squeeze under. It scurried in a circle, then stopped. Mabel caught sight of its panicked black eyes and shivered. It was like the rat was prodding into the deepest corners of her mind, like it knew something about her. The hair rose on her neck, and she felt very, very cold. 
She shook off the thought, telling herself it was just a rat. And when she looked at it again, all she felt was empathy. You're trapped too, huh? The rat sniffed the floorboards. Mabel suddenly had an idea. Her parents hated rats. They hated anything filthy. The hoity-toity Cushings wouldn't stay on a ship infested with rats. They'd cancel the trip, or at least divert to a port in Florida. Once they were on dry land, Mabel would convince them that this trip was just too much trouble. Mabel smirked. I think we can help each other out, Raddy. She grabbed a sweater and approached the rodent. Mabel wasn't as turned off by rats as her parents would be. But they did start the bubonic plague, so she'd just avoid touching it. Once Ratty was wrapped, Mabel crept into the hallway. The wind had picked up on deck, but the sun still shined. Her parents were already on their third cocktail. Her mom's purse sat on the cabana bench close by, and it was wide open. Mabel slid in beside it. Her parents didn't notice. They were too busy gabbing. So Mabel grabbed the purse and dumped Ratty inside. Then she waited. It didn't take long. God, my lipstick is just melting off my face. Her mom reached into the purse and froze. Then she shrieked. Oh my God! She kicked her purse over and Ratty came spilling out. The rat shot across the deck. It stopped at its edge for just a moment to sniff the yacht's rail. As it did, its eyes widened in pure panic. And then, before Mabel could do a thing, Ratty squeezed under the rail and leapt right into the ocean. Mabel hurried to the side and watched Ratty emerge in the surf, swimming away from the yacht. A twinge of dread twisted her stomach, though she couldn't say why. Of course, rats are scared of people, especially when they scream. But the thing was, Ratty hadn't seemed scared of them. It seemed scared of the boat itself. Soon after, her parents were yelling at Howie about the rat. Mabel listened just outside the control room, anxious to see where they would stop. But they'd been at this for a few minutes, and Howie seemed more rattled than her parents. You said the rat jumped off the boat. Her mom groaned. Why do you keep asking that? Rats hate water. They wouldn't jump into it willingly. Howie stared out the window at the darkening sky. Mabel's dad followed his gaze. Should we be worried about the weather? I think we should stop in Miami, Howie said. Mabel smiled. Her plan worked. They were getting off this dumb boat. Her mom gasped. No! Mabel was thrown. Since when did her parents want to stay in a place that had rats? They used to change hotel rooms if her mom found even a speck of dirt. Howie wasn't having it either. It's going to be a hell of a storm and rats are leaving the ship. That's bad luck. Cuba can wait. Mabel froze. Cuba? She thought they were going to the Bahamas. Her mom snapped. Get rid of the rats! 
Stay the course to Cuba. We're the ones paying, so you have to listen to us. Her parents stormed out, passing Mabel without even noticing she'd heard. Mabel hesitated. She wanted to rush after her parents, demand they explain why they were going to Cuba. But something told her Howie would be more honest. Howie, what's going on? Howie looked at her, really looked at her, in a way her parents never did. He replied, You believe in luck? Mabel almost laughed. With all that was going on, he was asking about luck? Um, I guess so. He held her gaze. Well, on a ship, luck is everything. Luck is whether the storm passes you by or wraps you in its clutches. And rats fleeing, well, that's bad luck. They got a sixth sense, rats. Maybe it's instinct. Maybe they're not just rats, but souls. The dead, guiding us away from demise. She shivered, remembering the eerie way Ratty had looked at her in the cabin. Howie turned back to tinker with the controls, murmuring, You see, rats always know when a ship is doomed. And Cuba? Mabel asked. But Howie just shook his head. You'll have to ask your parents about that one. Mabel left, suitably unsettled. Howie's doom talk had put her on edge. But more than the rats, something else was gnawing at her. Why did her parents lie about where they were going? Her parents had gone to the dining room, so that gave Mabel a chance to snoop. She crept into their cabin to look around. Everything had already been unpacked and put away by the yacht staff. But the closet door was ajar, and inside was one suitcase that still looked full. Mabel unzipped it and gasped. It was full of cash. Stacks of hundreds in neat little rows. There had to be, Mabel had no idea, millions. She sat back on her heels, stunned. She'd never seen this much cash before in her life, and she had no clue why it was in a shady duffel bag in her parents' closet. Before she could even think about it, the bag buzzed suddenly. A cell! Mabel dug a hand in and found her own. She thought her parents left it in the car when they took it from her. About 50 unread texts peppered the screen. She opened one. It was from her friend Kennedy asking if Mabel had known about the governor. Mabel stared at it in confusion. Her phone buzzed again as a slew of news alerts came in. She read a headline. Breaking. Governor Marks arrested on fraud charges. As Mabel read the article, it finally became clear. Governor Marks and his campaign manager, her mom, had stolen millions from campaign funds and tax dollars for personal use. Millions that were now sitting in that duffel bag. And her parents were running away with it before they could get arrested too. That's why they were headed to Cuba. The wind roared outside and her phone's browser cut out. No more service. Mabel trembled. They were already pretty well off. 
What did they need millions for? Unless this is why they were well off and could afford the yacht. They'd probably been skimming off the top for years. Her parents were criminals. Mabel hurried into the hallway to find her parents coming down the stairs. Her dad warned her. Can't go up there, hon. Too windy. They sent us below. Mabel was so furious she could barely speak. You liars! Thieves! I can't right now, please. Her mom waved her off and headed to her room. The boat suddenly lurched to the side and Mabel was thrown back into the cabin. Her dad staggered in behind her and closed the door. We'll just stay here until they tell us we can go back up. I wonder if they can bring our dinner down. Her mom cringed. Don't eat in here. They still haven't got rid of the rats. Why won't you listen? Mabel shouted. Her parents finally looked at her. But before she could speak, a foghorn blared. Seconds later, the cabin door burst open. It was Howie, and he looked terrified. We have a serious problem. Mabel's stomach flipped. The storm's getting worse? Howie nodded. That, and there's a fire in the engine room. Coming up, even expensive boats can sink. The most urgent mysteries in the world are missing persons cases. The stakes are too high not to pursue every plausible possibility and some implausible ones too. I'm Sarah Turney, host of the new podcast, Disappearances. In 2020, after spending years searching for the truth, I used social media to help bring justice to my sister Alyssa's nearly two decades long disappearance. Now, every Thursday on Spotify, I'm exploring the many reasons people disappear and the impact their absences can have on those left behind. From child abductions and mystifying murders to those who took drastic measures to start over, each episode of Disappearances journeys through a different high-profile missing persons case, ripped from the headlines and ripe for explanation. Because no one just vanishes into thin air. The answers are out there, waiting to be found. Follow the Spotify original from Parcast Disappearances. Hear a new episode every Thursday, free and only on Spotify. Now, back to the story. Mabel stared at the engineer Howie in shock. She'd just learned that her parents hadn't chartered this yacht for a family vacation in the Bahamas. It was a getaway boat, so they could abscond with millions of dollars they'd stolen from Governor Mark's campaign. There was also a storm coming in, and the ship's engineer was saying there was a fire on board. It was all so outrageous. Her mom appeared to feel the same. If there was a fire on board, we would have known. Howie shook his head. It's a big boat, ma'am, and it looks like it started deep in the engine room, likely been growing for at least an hour. I don't know how bad it is yet. I got crew on it. Howie trailed off as 
Amid the storm's ruckus, a chorus of squeaking could be heard. Everyone stopped and listened. Mabel was the first to move. She hurried to the cabin door and whipped it open. At first, she didn't see anything but the empty hallway. Then she realized its floor was moving. No, it wasn't a floor. It was a carpet of rats. She leapt back into the doorway. Howie appeared over her shoulder to watch the rats stream up the stairs to the upper deck. They're leaving, he whispered. Mabel could hear faint splashes somewhere above them. It sounded like, like they were throwing themselves overboard. She was again reminded of Ratty's dark gaze, its panic after it sniffed the rail. The rats were trying to tell them something. It was as if Howie read her mind. He pulled her into the cabin. Remember what I told you, the rat's leaving. That's all we need to know. We're going down. Mr. and Mrs. Cushing, we've got to get you to a lifeboat. Her mom shrieked as the fire alarm went off. Her dad panicked. Lifeboats? Can't we just call a mechanic? Mabel couldn't believe it. You two forbid phones on this boat and mine went out of service anyway. Her dad seemed to grapple with this idea. Yeah, but ships have a radio thingy. The radar isn't working. I told you that when we boarded, Howie snapped. Mabel saw her mom look down. Not many people knew when her slick mother was lying, but Mabel did. Mom, do you know something about the radar? Her mom looked around wildly, anywhere but at Mabel. What? No, of course not. Liar. Her dad sighed. <sighs> Jen, just tell them what you did. Maybe he can fix it. Mabel was locked on her mom. What does he mean, what you did, mom? Her mom glared at everyone before blurting out. I messed with the radar system when I toured the boat. I just yanked out a little doodad. That's all. I couldn't risk anyone tracking us. Howie fumed. That must have been what shorted the wires in the engine room. You're the one who started the boat's fire. Mabel's dad scoffed. <laughs> a little bit of a stretch, don't you think? It's a boat. Boats are hardy, not like a laptop that got some dust in it. Howie shot back. Boats are more sensitive than you think. Mabel's mom backed towards the door. I paid for this boat, so really I can fiddle with whatever I want. I don't need to answer to anyone. She shoved past Mabel and into the hallway before anyone could stop her or warn her. Her black boot came down on a rat's tail, its squeal startling her. She looked down at the fleeing rodents and screamed. Panicking, she scrambled back into the room, but she tripped over herself and crashed to the ground. The rats scurried across her pantsuit in a squeaking wave. Howie stepped over her and hurried to the stairs, crying, The rats are coming in droves. It means we don't have long, minutes maybe. We have to go, now. Mabel hesitated. She couldn't just leave her mom. She may have gotten them all into this mess, but she was still her mom. 
Mabel helped her up just as the boat tilted to the side. They were thrust back into the cabin where her dad had grabbed the duffel and Mabel's phone. Jen, you think we'd get service upstairs? I could call the Waltons. They have a helicopter. Her mom looked lost, like the rats had stampeded her confidence away. We're not telling anyone where we are. Mabel seethed. Her parents were so self-absorbed. You know, freak storms like this are because our planet is dying. Let's go. And with that, she pushed her parents out of the cabin and towards the stairs. It was chaos up on deck. Rain pelted down as the crew readied the lifeboats. Smoke poured through the cracks of the deck below the captain's pit. Mabel realized the fire was still inside the boat, preventing the rain from putting it out. She tried to catch her breath. There were too many things happening at once. Around Mabel's feet, rats streamed towards the edge of the ship and sailed overboard, abandoning them to their demise. Mabel looked at Howie. He was across the deck, getting into a boat with the crew. She headed to him, but her hand stopped her. Her mom. We'll take our own boat. Mabel protested. The crew knows what they're doing. We should go with them. Her mom yanked her towards another lifeboat across the deck, saying, They're going to Miami. The news broke about what we did, and they know we chartered a yacht. We go to Miami, we're walking right into an arrest. We'll have to get to Cuba on our own. Mabel's jaw dropped. You don't even drive your own car. You're going to steer us through a storm in the Atlantic? The delusion was incredible, even for them. Just then, the ship tilted dramatically, allowing her parents to shove the lifeboat directly into the water. Her dad hopped in first with the money. Then her mom followed, pulling Mabel in behind her. And before she knew it, they were out in the surf. Mabel looked behind her at the sinking yacht. Beyond it, the crew's boat wasn't far, but it was headed in the opposite direction, towards safety. Her mom screamed and Mabel felt her ankles plunged into a wet chill. She soon saw why. The boat's bottom was full of water. Dozens of holes were gnawed into its sides, all about the size of a rat's mouth. If she wasn't so horrified, Mabel might have laughed. Her dad slung the bag of cash onto his head while her mom used her hands to scoop the water out. But it was coming in too fast. Plug the holes! Her mom screamed, but the only thing available was the bag of cash. Mabel could see them debating. Did they want to live or did they want the money? Then. Her mom looked her over, like she was deciding something. Mabel didn't like her expression. What? Her mom shook her head, but Mabel finally got it. Were you thinking about using me to plug the holes? No! Her mom protested, but then she looked away. A lie. Mabel shook with anger. She'd gone along with her parents, was pulled into their evil path, watched them refuse to recycle and take private planes, and now here she was, literally sinking alongside them. Enough was enough. 
She didn't care how old she was. She wasn't going to go down with her parents or be used as stuffing so they could survive. So, just like she'd seen the rats do, she threw herself over the side of the boat. Mabel plunged beneath the water for what seemed like an eternity. Finally, she burst to the surface and immediately looked for the crew's boat. They weren't far. She swam towards them, but she wasn't getting anywhere. Each stroke barely made progress against the rough waves. The crew seemed to grow more distant by the second. Her arms grew tired and her legs felt like lead. Panic gripped her as she realized she was going to drown. Then, over the ocean's roar, Mabel heard a familiar squeaking sound. She whipped around and gasped. A raft was floating towards her. A furry, black-eyed, squealing raft. It was the rats. They were swimming in unison, their tails linked together to form a ledge at least six feet wide. The rat raft bobbed around her, waiting for her to make a choice. It was the rat raft or drowning. So Mabel hauled herself onto it. The rat's bodies were soft and their fur was wet. Their quick little heartbeats pinged around her like little electric shocks. She started crying, burying her face into the backs of the squealing rodents. She didn't know how or why, but the rats had come to save her. Maybe Howie was right. They did contain souls of the dead, and they wanted her to know the yacht may have been doomed, but she wasn't, right? As if in answer to that thought, the storm cleared above. In its place, the whirring of a helicopter. Its searchlight broke through the clouds, landing squarely on Mabel's parents in their sinking lifeboat. A loudspeaker voice boomed down, telling them they were under arrest. Mabel was about to wave to the rescuers, or feds really, for help. But then, she looked at her parents. They were in the ocean now desperately treading water while her dad held the bag of cash above his head. They were the real rats. And Mabel wasn't about to join them ever again. If this tale didn't sway your opinion on rats, perhaps a little history will. In 1889, the riverboat Paris C. Brown sank in the Mississippi River after hitting a snag. Eleven were killed. Tragic, yes, but disaster could have been avoided if its captain had heeded a rat's warning. Legend has it that three crew members actually saw rodents disembarking the boat before it left port. The men didn't board, and their lives were saved. And if that still doesn't do it for you, try the Christmas tree ship in 1912. It sank in Lake Michigan, and just like the Paris Sea Brown, there are rumors of rats leaving the ship prior to its departure, a signal that it was doomed from the moment it embarked. Of course, it's true that rats are everywhere, so chances are that the rodent sightings were coincidence but before you write this superstition off, consider the nature of a rat. 
Since they are able to live and thrive in the deepest corners of ships, they might be alerted to any initial leaks well before the crew notices. And since rats do not like getting wet, they flee. The running rat is also associated with buildings about to collapse. It's the same logic, really. They burrow into the areas of a structure that are the first to crack and heave. Therefore, the rats run before people in the dwelling know anything is amiss. This variation of the superstition actually predates their association with sinking ships all the way back to the 16th century. No matter how far back you go, the lesson is timeless. When it comes to rats, we shouldn't be so hasty with our disgust. They aren't just garbage rodents of the night. They're heroes warning us that doom is imminent. You see, sometimes boats sink. But doesn't it make you feel better that rats might be able to tell us ahead of time? If only we knew how to listen. Thanks again for listening to Superstitions. We will be back Wednesday with a new episode. You can find more episodes of Superstitions and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify. Until next time, be wary of the things you cannot explain. Superstitions is a Spotify original from Parcast. It is executive produced by Max Cutler, sound designed by Brendan Hawkins, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Trent Williamson, Carly Madden, and Travis Clark. This episode of Superstitions was written by Kate Murdoch, with writing assistance by Stacey Nemec and Greg Castro, fact-checking by Anya Bailey, and research by Brian Petras. I'm Alastair Murden. I'm Sarah Turney host of the new Spotify original from ParCast, Disappearances. Every Thursday, join me for an exploration into history's most gripping missing persons cases. Following timelines, analyzing clues, and piecing together as many answers as possible to find the truth. From prison breaks and child abductions to second chances and even murder. We'll journey through the many reasons people disappear Follow my new podcast, Disappearances, free and only on Spotify.